calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. Oh my gosh. And that intro sounds different because it isn't one that was pre-recorded like a year and a half ago. I know. Because... We're together again. We're together. Back in the closet. Once again. Back in the closet. It's so weird. I think this is the closest that I've been to somebody. Well, I know this is the closest I've been to somebody without a mask uh, since the pandemic started. We actually had a couple friends over last weekend, and it was really funny because we were in my place, but I wasn't sitting close to them. Like, I kept having to be like, hey, I can scoot a little bit. I didn't even hug them. There were no hugs to be had. I know. I hugged you as soon as you came in, and I could tell that it was a little apprehensive on your oh, part. Oh, no. I was so ready. I'm sorry if you felt that, because I was like, bring it in. No, it's okay. I just feel bad sometimes, because I'm like, now that I'm vaccinated, if I know someone else is vaccinated, mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, let's go. Like I'm, And I disregard that other people it, it's not always in the forefront of my mind that like other people maybe aren't as comfortable <laughs> so I, was, I should ask I was shaking with excitement so if you felt shaking it was literally me like walking up the stairs like this is really weird it is weird I dropped something off at your place like a couple of months ago it was your uh Christmas present oh shit I forgot to bring the pads upstairs oh no worries I still have the pads in my car but I brought you your Christmas present and I just like left it outside your door and it was the weirdest thing because like I couldn't say hi to you and I just walked up to your door like I was going to record, left something, and then turned around and left. And it was so sad. You should have called me when you were outside on the street, and I would have come out on the balcony and waved. I know, but it was, like, during a work day, and I'm just like, I'm not going to bug. I'm just going to, like, leave this here, and I'll just text her, and I'll skedaddle. Well, I guess this is a good time to mention, since you just mentioned the pads. Mm-hmm. Um So I know that I mentioned, I think like a month and a half ago, that I was going to be collecting items for hygiene kits and menstrual products for our unhoused population here in Los Angeles. I am blown away by the amount of stuff I've gotten. I will show you, Madigan, um, the stuff I have. It's all behind the couch. I have put together 93 completed bags, and I am still... I need 
tampons. There are a few things that I, I need to complete the rest of the bags. So I am going to do one final push for that. But I have also contacted my friend who works with the unhoused in Los Angeles, has for a very long time. And she put me in contact with an outreach program here in the Valley in Los Angeles where I can go to give them the bags and they will distribute them. So I am going to run this through the end of May. I've updated the wish list that I have um, to only ask for the things that I still need. Right. So if anybody is still interested in purchasing things or donating anything, uh, please go to my Instagram account, Keegan.Winfield. It's in my bio. The Amazon wish list is in my bio. I think we might still have it in ours. I don't think I ever changed it back. I think we did change it because we were... Oh, we changed it when we did stereo and we didn't change it back. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. That is right. But well, we, we can, can update it, it. Yeah, so you can either look uh, on the link in bio on our Instagram page or on my personal Instagram page. It will be both places if you're interested. I'm going to try and wrap it up by the end of May. Uh, but yes, I'm really excited. It might be something that I try and do like once a year. Yeah. Because it's been really great to see. And maybe next time we can do it for a different cause or a different community, you know, like outside of LA or something like that. That'd be a great idea. But okay. Okay. All right. So who has the most horrible thing first? What do you have? Mine's pretty bad. Let's start because mine's, mine's frustrating. Mine's definitely frustrating, but why don't you go first? Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. Um, be prepared to be furious. Because I really haven't seen a lot about this. I've seen people posting it a little bit on Facebook. And, okay, we'll just get into it. Please do. We all remember Josh Duggar, yes? Oh, this. Yes. Yes. That I told you it was. I told you it was bad. So, he is the oldest son on the show, the TLC show, 19 Kids and Counting, or was. That show has um, since been discontinued. And he is the son of reality stars Jim Bob and Michelle Duggar. Oh, God. And it has come to my attention recently, because this came up at work, not about Josh Duggar specifically, but about 19 Kids and Counting and the Duggars in general, and that some people are unfamiliar. Uh, And to them, I say... Good for y'all. Oh, for real. I I feel like 19 Kids and Counting for me was something that I watched when I was like in high school, probably like senior, junior in high school Absolutely. when I was home and didn't have anything to watch. TLC was my show. Was it TLC or Lifetime? TLC. TLC. And I remember watching it when I was sick a lot on my boyfriend's couch because he had cable and I didn't years ago. Yeah. And it, that was when it was at its peak when we were in high school. Yeah. And sure. there was like, wasn't there, was 19 the cap? Because didn't they get, or did it start with less and then there was more added? 19 was the cap because I thought the same thing. So it must have started with less. It was like 16 kids and counting or something. And then they just had to keep adding numbers Because to it. she definitely had kids throughout the time that the show was on. Because the show was on for almost 10 years. Yeah, and they're an evangelical Christian family, or are they a different part of Christianity than that? Well, I'm glad you asked, Madden. Uh, yeah, great. Um, Tell me. <laughs> so they subscribe to 
this belief called the quiverful belief. It's a, a fundamentalist Christian um, denomination. It sounds kind of sexy. It's weird. Like, if you were to use the word quiver, I would think that you would be using it in a romance novel. I think it's to do with, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, like, what you put your arrows in, when bow and oh, arrows is called a quiver. It's a quiver. Yeah, and I think that, like, you're... you're, you're Ammunition is full. I don't... Your quiver is full. And you're staying on the straight and narrow. I guess. I don't know. Interesting. But that's the belief that they subscribe to, which basically says that Christian couples should pop out as many children as possible during their lifetimes in order to grow the kingdom of God and that children are a blessing. And so you should have as many as you can and you don't, you know... You don't use any form of birth control ever whatsoever. You know, yes. Children are a blessing. If you have more than... I'm going to say... I want to say two for me personally, but if you have more than three kids, what are you doing? My mom I has don't know four. How. Oh. And here's the thing. For everybody, it's different. Yeah. And, and some people want to be surrounded by lots and lots of kids. I'm not here to judge no. your personal choices. However, what this means for Michelle... Look, I know she made this decision, but what this means for Michelle is that she has had 19 children in her 54 years of life. She has been pregnant for... I'm shaking my head now. Over two decades. I don't like it. It's... It's terrible. Like, uh, to me. To me. Yeah, I think that, you know, as long as everybody subscribes to it and she's okay with it and she understands it, like, I'm not here to knock anybody's choices and what they do, but at the same time... But why are you it's, making those choices? That's exactly the thing. Is it, It's not just her making these decisions for herself. It's this, like, very, very intense religious doctrine that goes far beyond just how many kids they want you to have, so continue. <laughs> and it always really bothered me that... So, okay, she's Michelle. Her husband's name is Jim Bob. And Fucking all... Jim Bob. Yes. Why Jim Bob? Not Jim William? No, no, or, like, what would that be? Jonathan William? Jonathan William. That's so much nicer and classier sounding. But all of the children... All of their names start with J as yes. well, which really bothers me because I'm like, she's the one who's putting her body through intense trauma. But she doesn't matter. She, they're in a patriarchal system, sweetheart. You All know those this. kids should have an M name, in one, my opinion. 100% they should, but in their lives, the father is given more of the, like, honor for fathering these children than the mom is for popping them out. Anyway, this is not a this is not supposed to be a story on the Duggars, although there is much to be said. Happy Mother's Day, Michelle Jim Bob Duggar. Jesus, there is much to be said. But back to Josh. Josh mm. is the oldest of the nineteen children, and of course was prominently featured on the reality TV series. Uh, he was also active in conservative politics, advocating for quote family centered political viewpoints. Yeah. Uh, And that included the opposition to abortion, divorce, and gay marriage. Despite this, on May 21st, 2015, a report by the magazine uh, In Touch Weekly stated that it was actually Jim Bob Duggar, his father, had told the Arkansas police that Josh had molested five underage girls between 2002 and 2003 when he was 14 and 15, and that several of those girls were his younger sisters. Well, this came out, like, years ago. Yes. So this came out in 2015. Yeah. Right. And he, 
you know, Jim Bob had said that he had touched them inappropriately, touched their breasts and their genitals. Uh, for his sisters, that he'd actually, you know, gone in while they were sleeping or cornered yeah. them in the laundry room. Oh, it's so... And I've, I've listened to interviews with the other Duggar children since then, and they're they're so... Like, I, I personally am a really big fan of the girls that have gone through it and just how eloquently they're able to talk about everything and their family. I think that that takes a lot of courage and strength. Um, but I didn't realize it was Jim Bob that was the one that kind of blew the whistle on this. Do you think well, that he knew about this for a long time and finally felt like he had to come forward? Or do you think that it was like new information and he immediately called the police? I don't think that... It wasn't brand new information, but I don't think he'd known about it for a long time either. So at the time he went in. So he went in in the early 2000s, 2002, right. 2003. Uh, initially, when they found out, they disciplined him at home. That was the initial thing that's that they did. right. And then... Well, because the, uh, and sorry to keep interrupting you, no, but okay. the show... What year did the show start? Because that would have been in the mid-2000s, right? So this was just before the show started. This <gasps> of was, course it was! Right. So the oh. show didn't officially start until a couple years later. But the year after this, in 2004, is when the show had its or when TLC had its first like special featuring the Duggars. Mm. So it was only a year after all of this had happened. Oh gosh, that those poor girls to have to go through being on camera and having your family be exposed all the time but having to hide to keep this secret trauma mm -hmm. like that is horrible. And people should go back and listen to our purity episode if you want to hear how damaging because purity culture in evangelical Christian groups, I'm sure it's no different or worse yeah. uh, for their family. I can't imagine how much guilt was placed on these girls for what happened to them yeah. from from their own brother. Yeah. Uh, so initially they disciplined him at home, but then they learned about ad additional incidents and victims that included people outside of the family, yeah. including a babysitter... And so at that point, they took it to the elders of their church. Again, they did not go yeah. to um, to the police. It's but like the keepers. They just keep, like, moving them up to different, like, levels of right. priests and whatever, you know? Eventually, it did get bad enough, though, that that is when Jim Bob went to yeah. a state trooper. The state trooper didn't do anything about it. He says... Oh, my God. He says he thought it was just one incident of inappropriate touching that, with a family member. That should be enough. But Jim Bob says that the state trooper knew about all of the instances. So mm. we don't we don't really know, but they started, um, they sent him to like a rehab or whatever, and then it was later that year or the next year that the show started airing. So also in 2015, when this information is coming out about the Duggars, which was a big blow for somebody who's like family values, Christian values, you know, conservative yeah. values, there was a data breach of the extramarital affair website Ashley Madison, in which it was revealed that Josh, who was married at the time, was a subscriber who had paid $986 to the company. He made a statement admitting to being addicted to pornography and apologizing to his wife for being a hypocrite. He then checked himself into rehab after this, and that is when the show 19 Kids and Counting was yanked off the air. However, TLC went ahead and created a spin-off show yeah. called Counting On that very same year. So it's like they were, you know, they were like, "Ooh, we got to distance ourselves, but also we still got to make money off this mm -hmm. family." Yeah. So fast forward to today, 
and Josh is back in the news for even worse, yet predictable reasons. So right here, I know all of that was bad. It's about to get a lot worse. So if you're really sensitive, which we are all sensitive, everybody should be sensitive to child sexual abuse. But if, if you can't handle hearing about it, I would skip this entire story because it is terrible. It's really bad. So an investigation began into Josh Duggar in 2019 when files were flagged by a police detective in Little Rock, Arkansas that traced child pornography back to his IP address at his workplace. When, mm. when Homeland Security Special Agent Gerald Faulkner downloaded the files, he was appalled. So I'm not going they to get... They have the worst job in the world. It's the people that have to open up yep. these they have disgusting... To watch it all pictures, websites, dark web shit that I'm like, oh, like that, I couldn't sleep at night if I had to dive into, like, the psyche of somebody like that through their internet history. Oh, And they have to watch it all because, like, it's important for evidence, for evidentiary purposes, that they witness everything so that they can report on it. So it's it's really horrible. And so... I'm not going to get into all of the most graphic Please details don't. about what was uncovered, uh, because what I read it when I read it myself, I wish I hadn't. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. it was graphic. Like some of the news reports, I, I feel like it was more than I needed to know. Yeah. Um, it's very upsetting. But what I will say is that what he found depicted child sex abuse involving children ranging from. 18 months (gasps) to 12 years old. And this Homeland Security agent who has done this Mm. for a large portion of his career said that it was in the top five of the worst of the worst I've ever had to examine. Why why do these people exist? Why is it so sick and disgusting? Be prepared to get even more angry. Oh, God. So, according to this agent, when Homeland Security officials raided his car dealership and asked to speak with him without informing him they were investigating child pornography, he spontaneously, Duggar, spontaneously responded, what is this about? Has someone been downloading child pornography? (gasps) Oh, my God, someone has someone? What, what a surprise. Who could it be? Is that, I wonder if that's why he's like, oh, I'm at work. So it could be like somebody that mm-hmm. I work, that works for mm-hmm. me or that I work with or what. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to be so brazen to do it at work too, I feel like is such well, another level. Uh, yeah, but like you're still, like you're at work. Like, and I don't know, there's been... something so scary about that. Well, okay. So I didn't even put this in my notes, but... He had an application on his computer that was basically an accountability application, so it would alert his accountability partner if he was going to, because he admitted in the past to viewing porn websites, so So it would alert his wife if he was visiting porn websites. His wife was his accountability buddy? Oh, God. Yes, but... But because of, like, there was an IP address that was linked to the files that he was using, it bypassed that that program. So I think that's part of why he was doing it at work is because his wife was very aware. Was going to get, like, an alert saying that he was doing something. Or even if he was doing it at home, I think maybe, you know, she knows what he's capable of, what he's done in the past. And, like, she's aware of that. So if he's doing it that when she's at home. fucking woman. It's, it's terrible. And she's pregnant, by the way, right now. Ah, so when... Everything sucks. Yes. So the agent alleged that when 
Josh was asked point blank about seeing or having child sex abuse material in his possession, he said, quote, I'd rather not answer that question. Mm. He was arrested on April 29th of this year on charges of receiving and possessing material depicting the sexual abuse of children, and he faces up to 20 years in prison for each count. Um, he has ple- he has pled not guilty. Now, despite the severity of the charges, Jug... Jug... Judge Christy Comstock granted Duggar's release effective Thursday. She said, quote, I'm just going to remind you how serious these charges are. And she noted the evidence against him was very significant. And she said that the nature of the crime concerns the court. She said that his past conduct molesting five young girls, including his sisters, when he was a minor teen, was also of concern. She made the point that the ages of some of the children are close to the ages of his own children. Yes, that's like one of the main things that's been running through my brain is, are his children safe? He has six children, ages 11 and under. His wife is pregnant with their seventh. Oh, my God. Um, and some of his younger siblings are also of the same age. Yeah. Uh, so the judge said it was a very close call when it came to her decision to let him go or not. Why would you decide to let him go? So you, you had mentioned former wife in the beginning. So they're not together anymore. So I'm assuming that he's not going to be staying with... Oh, no, they're still together. I'm sorry if I said that. Oh, did you? Okay, maybe I just misheard you. So is he going to, like, be going home to his wife and children? No, but. Okay, so it's a no, but. So he is not allowed to return home, nor is he allowed to stay on the guest home on the property. He's going... or, Or staying at his parents because he's not allowed to be around his siblings. So he's going to be staying with a family and friend... A friend of the family who is a pastor and his wife. However, and also there are a lot of... Will he be having a phone or a computer? He is not allowed access to anything that has the internet. He has an ankle bracelet um, that monitors his his activities. However... I'm smelling white privilege here, Keegan! Amen, amen. The judge did decide that he can have unlimited visitation with his children as long as his wife is present at the time. Oh, fuck that shit, because then that's saying... That's putting the wife in such a difficult Mm -hmm. position because he's going to demand to see his children and his wife is going to be like, well, I have to let my kids see their father. Especially in a religion where the wife is supposed to exactly, be submissive. Exactly, where you have to you have to submit to what your husband wants. The courts have said that's okay. So if he's saying he's going to see his kids, he's going to see his kids. And he should not be seeing his kids. Right, yes. I mean, it, and it's bizarre to me. Like, I know that they're his kids. However, like, the, the court did say that he is not allowed to see any other children at all. Like, he's not allowed to see... And that's typically not what would happen. I've read a couple... Uh, well, I mean, I guess this is where, like, they would have their own children taken away from them, um, where they weren't allowed to see any other kids. But that just seems very bizarre to me that there would be any situation that he would be allowed to see any children for any reason. Right. He can see his children, but he's not allowed to see his brothers and sisters. Right, And he's right. not allowed to see his nieces and nephews. I, y- you hit the nail on the head as far as, like, it's... The amount of white privilege in this story is shocking to me when you think about, like... Khalif Browder, who spent seven years in solitary confinement for the crime of stealing a backpack, which he didn't even do. Yeah. And then you have this, some of the worst child sex crimes that this special agent has ever had to examine or witness. And this man gets to not only leave, 
but also gets access to his children, who yeah. are the same age as some of the victims in I, the story. I really hope his children are okay. I really do. I And, you know, I really hope his children are okay. I really hope that they haven't suffered any abuse. Yeah. And I really hope that his wife gets out of this situation. Get out, girl. Get out. Because I really do have... She's stuck. She's stuck in this religion that yes. is telling her that she cannot leave. I Marriage mean, is forever. And it's her whole... That's their whole yeah. family's identity. I mean, yeah. her husband got up and spoke about why divorce was such a horrible thing. Yes. How do you... Oh, I, it just I makes can't me imagine. so mad. It's got to be hell. It's got to be hell. Oh, my God. Um, but as of now, his jury trial is scheduled to begin July 6th with a pre-trial conference on July 1st. So we will see what happens. He could... Um, they're guessing that... He, he's facing 20 for each count, but what I've seen is that they're thinking that the amount that he is likely to get would be 40 years. Yeah. So we'll... I hope so. I hope he gets 40 years. If you look up his mugshot, he looks so fucking smarmy. Yeah, he, he's gross. He's a really, really gross human being. Well, I actually have more legal stuff to get into, and I am sad to announce that it has to do with the Derek Chauvin trial. Um, I don't know if this is something that anybody's heard of. It's not really being spread as much as I thought that it would. Uh, have you heard anything about Juror 52? No. Okay, so there was a photo that recently surfaced of one of the jurors, Juror 52, wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt at a civil rights march last summer, which raised questions about how impartial he was as a jury. So the shirt said BLM, and then underneath it, it said, get your knee off our necks, which he went to this um, 57th anniversary of the March on Washington, and that's what the event was called that year, get our, get your knee off our necks. So that was the shirt he was wearing. But um, they asked all the jurors if they had participated, and so I'm sure he mentioned that at the time. Right. So I'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, this guy's name is Brandon Mitchell, and he insisted that he remained neutral that he remained neutral during the trial and was honest during his jury selection. When he was asked if he participated in activism, he responded no, including any demonstrations in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder. And what he was saying that this wasn't a protest, this wasn't um, necessarily just in response to George Floyd's murder, this was a commemoration of the March on Washington. This was a whole other thing, and he happened to be wearing a shirt that said Black Lives Matter and get your uh, knee off our necks. And so this has kind of created some anxiety because people on the other side are thinking that this would be really, really great grounds for an appeal to possibly get a new trial. The timing of this is very suspicious to me. It makes me wonder if they were sitting on this information. Yeah. Um, because it's very strange to me that this isn't information that his defense team would have uncovered sooner. Yeah, exactly. And and his defense hasn't brought it up yet. Eric Nelson, who was Chauvin's defense attorney, hasn't brought it up. Um, but people are believing that he's kind of keeping it close to his chest and he's going to use that for an appeal. And there was a civil rights attorney by the name of Brian Dunn who said the photo is, quote, undeniably suggestive of possible bias in this juror, but a judge would have to determine if Mitchell lied about or failed to provide complete answers on whether he was engaged in public activism or whether he has any affiliations with Black Lives Matter that go beyond the mere wearing of a shirt. And I think that makes a really good point because... There's a lot of things that you could say about people based on their apparel and a lot of things you can rightfully say of other things that people choose to wear. But I think in this point, when they're asking such specific questions, did you go to any sort of um, event 
in response to George Floyd's murder, him saying no is still truthful. So I guess it's kind of up to the judge at this point to look at everything and see if it's grounds to say that he wasn't well, neutral. And again, you know, we spoke about this previously. It's going to be impossible to find somebody who is truly neutral on this subject. Yeah. Uh I just don't believe that anybody feels truly neutral unless you're completely uneducated, which would be very difficult. Yeah, and you know, this is a black man in Minneapolis, so I I can imagine that being in the area, being in the city, and being surrounded by everything that they were surrounded by over the summer... It's it's impossible to be completely impartial. Everybody has some sort of opinion. So when you're pulling a jury pool, a jury pool from like that area, of course you're going to have people with those opinions. And if you're wanting to have a jury pool that is diverse, mm-hmm. and you want to have, um, you know, George Floyd represented by having black jury members, you have to kind of understand that there is going to be history there and understanding. But it's also going to be the same with white jurors and their bias, too, because there is in- inherent racial bias. So for us yes. to have completely no opinions on the matter is absolutely... It's just not going to happen. It's ridiculous. So it's upsetting that this is happening, but it does... When I first heard about this, it made me very, very nervous because there was very little detail about everything that I'm like, oh, God, is it all over? (laughs) We were just so happy. No, I mean, I don't think it's going to have a real bearing on... I don't think there's going to be a retrial or anything like that. Uh, I feel like that is probably what they're going to push for. It might complicate matters somewhat, might delay things a little bit. But in general, I don't think so, especially since... And I understand that this is not the way that the law works, but the way that my brain works is he was one of 12 on that jury. They came up with a decision very, very quickly. Yeah. And they were all in agreement. It was not a mistrial. It was not a hung jury. There was no... They didn't even come back. This was a complicated case, kind of. And they didn't even come back to the judge asking for any kind of clarifications or anything else. So in my opinion... It wouldn't have had... I think a judge is going to have to determine, one, if he answered the questions truthfully, and two, if it would have any bearing on the outcome of the trial. And I don't believe it would have. I mean, I think it's the second part that you said that I wasn't really considering, because to me, I was hoping that it wouldn't just be like looking at the fact that he wore this shirt and looking at the way he answered questions and making a decision solely based... Um, that, but I think what you mentioned is a really good point and thinking about how that would have changed the outcome is important. So I hope that that's also taken into consideration because the first time I read it, it seemed like there was a lot weighing on the decision based solely off of like his answers to his questions in the initial jury reading. But yeah, I mean, that's the same thing. If you're going through jury selection, I feel like especially today, it's got to be so easy to find everything on a person, like go on their Facebook, you know what I mean? And be able to kind of like weed those people out. So hopefully this is just like a big red herring. Um, But I wanted to mention it either way because it scared the poop out of me. Yeah, I feel like if they could find it this soon after the verdict, they could have found it before. And my Mm -hmm. guess is that someone probably did find it before, uh, and that it was deemed not to be big enough of an issue for them to have a problem with it. Right, because I was going to say, they could have brought it up during court, because that... It would have still been an issue during that time, too. The only thing I could potentially think of is that the defense found it, 
and that they held on to it because they knew they were going to lose this case. And they thought that they had a chance to maybe last second throw something out there to try and get a retrial. But also, I have to believe with the way that the prosecution handled the case that they were smart enough to do digging of their own and that they were probably aware of this as well. So That's a good point. That's what I'm holding out hope for. We'll see if that's the case. I have no trust in humanity anymore, so every time I read anything like this, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be skeptical until I'm proved otherwise. I understand. Oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I'm so happy to be back in this teeny tiny closet that is actually really warm in here, even though it's not that warm outside. I know. Anthony asked me if we should turn on the AC today, but I was like, it's like a high of 70. I feel yeah. like we don't need to turn the AC on, but it is always warmer in here. So. We got our body heat, too. Yeah, you that's, know? that's the... You know, we're drinking champagne. That's true. Exactly. We celebrate over here. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. If you have any news stories that you would like for us to cover in future weeks, please go ahead and email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. We have a Facebook business and group page. You can go over to the group page and chat with the other listeners. Go on over to the business page if you haven't already and liked us and leave us a review there. And if you haven't done so already, we would so greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You will be featured on our Instagram for Reviews Day Tuesday, and we will love you forever. All right, that's all we have for you today. With all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye! Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.